0: Hi, everyone, and welcome again to Dr. Caxton's podcast, Timeless Truths in Medicine and Marriage. And I'm excited to welcome the program, Dr. Caxton. Hey, Dr. Caxton, how are you? And uh, topic, we're going to continue with medicine on this podcast, especially what's happened with COVID since the last time we talked.
1: Yes, thank you, Neil. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about the London, the UK coronavirus mutations and science, should we be concerned? That's a good reason for that topic. Number one, people are scared. Number two, even those who are not scared are curious. And a lot of people are saying, so what's next? And um, Neil, today I want to make it a little dialogue if you have some questions in mind. That yes, we I, can have, run I definitely, I definitely
0: have some a lot of questions about this, because this, I was thinking we're home free, right? We'll have a yes. vaccine, herd immunity, and then this comes up.
1: Yes. So let me start with this. In my second book on COVID-19, COVID-19 Physician Treatment Strategies, that's on iTunes. I didn't bother going to Amazon with that because they blocked the first book while they published the Chinese Communist Party's book on covid as far back as in March, in April. So in that book, I shared some details about the science behind the virus. In other words, not just the science of the virus, but the scientists involved in the virus and some were actually filing and getting patents for a virus. This is where I think today A lot of people are unaware that when you're driven by greed instead of a desire to help people, that you may end up collapsing the entire system of healthcare, we're facing a crisis today and we need to retrace our steps to where this all started. Some people say, well, you know what? I don't like to hear anything about conspiracies. I don't either. Frankly, for me, patients dying is not a conspiracy. They're right there. They're dying. We've got about 17 million cases, 1. something million people dead, over 113,000 people, 14,000 people in a hospital, over 28,000 people in the ICU in the U.S. alone. So we have some numbers here that are not just scary. Then comes a vaccine, a vaccine that appears to have been a commercialized venture far beyond what is expected exactly. considering the fact that we really are in a crisis and so many people that don't have to die are dying, yet people are trying to make a bunch of money from this. I say retrace our steps because when um, the, uh, Richard Banting and his colleague, when they found insulin, they patented it. They could have made billions of dollars from it. They could have had a foundation till today, but they felt insulin, for goodness sake, this is the cost of diabetes. You know what they sold the patent for? A dollar. I'm not saying no. pharmaceutical companies should not make money, but think about this. The patent for insulin was sold by Nobel Prize level winners who know the value of money because they got a lot of money from that Nobel Prize. So they knew that it could do a lot of things with money, and they researched and discovered insulin. And they sold the patent, I'm not sure, I think they sold it to Eli Lee, but whoever they sold it to one of those companies, they sold it for a dollar because they said, our conscience will not allow us to make a profit off of something that's desperately needed by people around the world. Now picture this today. Isn't that the same phenomenon that we are facing? Wow, it is. But the mRNA virus, the COVID uh, vaccine rather, that was found in uh, December 8. You know, the UK right. people they get together, they have a meeting, and in one of those meetings, they were looking at the trends. The United Kingdom, I think they are the first to clone a sheep. I've forgotten the name of that sheep, you know, way back then. So they've mastered genetic engineering, and one of the institutes that extremely brilliant at this is the Purbright Institute. They titled them the Animal Research. Center or something like that, late in the I think 60s, but they've been around for more than 106 years now. You know, since 1914, this institute. So what happens is, now on December 8, a guy, a group of guys, epidemiologists, public health officials, and a few government officials, they get together every Tuesday, and a guy named Nick Loman in from the University of Birmingham is what's called a microbial genomicist. In other words the genetic makeup of little microbes. That's his area of specialty. That's awesome, isn't it? And those are the kind of guys that we should be talking about when we're talking about Nobel Prize in the future. But when things are messed up, here's what happened. On December 8th, they were looking at the genetic makeup of the uh, coronaviruses that were noted. See, every month, this same uh, COVID has slight mutations. Like every virus, you know. So they've calculated that on average, every month, there'll be two mutations, two, just two. So in the last 10 months, since they've been observing these mutations, they say an average of 20 mutations have taken place. So all of a sudden in December, that's, they noticed 17, not two. 17 mutations all at once. <laughs> oh, my. So the, the challenge that I'm posing is to every one of us to think deeply about this. Um, 17 mutations and someone said, wait a minute, we've never seen this pattern. You know, if everything on the screen is black and you put a red, In the middle, no matter where you put the red on the screen, you can spot it. So when there's a slight genetic change, you don't really see when you look on the screen, they all look alike. But all of a sudden, if the entire screen is blue and you see yellow, it will stand out. That's exactly what happened with that mutation when they were looking on the screen. So they said 17 mutations all at once. What did they do? Well... About half of those patients that were diagnosed in early December, about half of them had this mutation. And two things they noted about the 17 different mutations. Here's where the mad scientist principle, you know, when we were younger, we used to see those comics where there's a mad scientist that wants to hold everybody to ransom and is demanding money from the government, almost something like in a James Bond movie. We're experiencing it in the real world today, Nick. So you can imagine what I'm going to share with you now is this. 17 mutations in one month. Now, the Netherlands, Italy, and Belgium have banned flights and trains from coming into their country from London. Wow. They, just, they did it. They said, no, we can't allow you. Um, and that was actually two days or three days ago. Now, they said no. And India this morning has banned flights from London. Can you imagine? Third world countries. We don't do oh, that to first yeah. world countries. And we just did that. You know, <laughs> so it's strange. But, you know, CNN then carried this piece of uh, information from Fauci. I don't even know this. You see, people are not being realistic. In January, you know, Fauci said this is not a major threat for the people of the US. Isn't that what he said? Yes, that's what he said. I have the yes. card in front of me here. On January 26, they asked him, Should Americans be scared? Fauci said, I don't think so. The American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very low risk to the US. He said that on January 26. On January 31, Trump said, we're going to ban flights from China. Fauci says, no, we still have a low risk. Now, today, this morning, I saw on CNN, guess what? Fauci said, there's no need to overreact. You see, here's the thing. If there was anyone I thought, you know, talking about the Nobel Prize thing, that Fauci would have been one of those candidates for a Nobel Prize, I take it back. I would not recommend him for a Nobel Prize. Now, you see, people who get the Nobel Prize are impeccable in their field and they don't make mistakes like this. So what is an overreaction, Neil? An overreaction means just protect your people. In fact, Britain is gone on lockdown again. Okay, so when you look at these viruses, I want us to focus you know, our attention just for a brief minute on the virus itself and the mutations themselves. It's called B117, B1.1.1.7. And there's another in Spain called B1.1.177. So we've got two strains. Now watch carefully and listen to this. The first one they say was actually isolated as far back as September, not December. And they didn't say anything to anyone about that. So it now accounts for 26% of the cases as of November. But right now, accounts according to the American Association of Advancement of Science, the Science magazine, they say 60% of all London new cases are due to this mutation. So the question now is, what is mutation? Back in the days when we didn't know how to manipulate genes, when we didn't know gene therapy and we couldn't clone anything, we couldn't do mRNA vaccines, we couldn't do DNA vaccines, we couldn't even touch the DNA. We didn't even understand DNA. At that time, Neil, mutation was a big deal. Are you getting my point here? Yeah, so, I'm, totally,
0: I'm totally getting your point. Yeah.
1: So, you know, let's say it, 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 there is a protein and there's, Uh, 2000 amino acids in the protein today, based on what we know in science, if we need a thousand proteins and we need a thousand and one proteins to make it better, we can insert a gene to add that extra protein. So when you say mutation, we're not in the good old days anymore. We're now in the science age, which means when you say there's a manipulation versus a mutation it means you can genetically engineer any virus that you want pretty much people are not because viruses are a bunch of chemical codes with genetic material in them and covered by an envelope of something okay so you can see very clearly here that yes we have a mutation but the real question is when we look at the mrna vaccine on one side And treatments like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin on the other side, you know, we give hydroxychloroquine and zinc, hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and all the other stuff like vitamin C on the treatment side. We also give ivermectin and doxycycline plus or minus zinc on the other side with vitamin C and all the other things. That's on the treatment side. You notice that the CDC, the NIH, the FDA, and the WHO never mention specifics about treatment because they have seem like they've been corrupted by big pharma to allow them to just create vaccines, and this mutation is disrupting the system.
0: Okay, so will this, so, so will this work with the vaccine, the mutations, will uh, the current vaccine stop it? or at least will or it not, or we're going to have to have another vaccine?
1: They are going to tell us something that would love to hear that's comforting. I don't think so, and I don't know for sure. I'll tell you my reasons why. There are two mutations that the Cambridge, there's a guy in Cambridge called uh, Gupta. He said the thing that worries him about these eight mutations is that two of them there's something called 69 to 70 deletion, 69 to 70. You know, that's a retirement age. That's a way to remember it, 69, 70, right. 69, 70. So in that deletion, something has been removed. That deletion makes the virus more virulent and it escapes the immune system that we have. Now think about that for a second. Of the 17 mutations that have taken place in this virus, this new virus, two of them are of great concern. One, you can call it the retirement mutation, meaning 69 to 70. That mutation is a deletion and it makes the virus more virulent. It allows the virus to escape the immune system, particularly in people who are immune compromised. So we have a problem there. The second mutation that's worrisome out of this uh, set of 17 mutations is what's called a N501Y, okay, this increases how tightly the spike protein binds to the human receptor. That's where I am having a little more issues with Bill Gates and Melinda Gates foundation. and Why? That link, I'll tell you in a second. In my right. uh, in my second book, the one that helps us understand the pathology, pathophysiology, and mentioned some of the you know the 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 actual nature of the virus. You see, in that um, in that uh, book, I shared enough details so that people can learn, even if you're not a scientist. If you read that book physician treatment strategies. You'll understand. Why am I saying this? It's important to understand those principles. That's why I call them timeless principles. You can apply it to this situation, and then when another arises, you can observe based on the principles that you already know. Because if you don't have those principles, things will be running right in front of you, and they'll be running circles around you. You see, this N501Y uh, mutation that increases How tightly the protein binds to the ACE2 receptor reminds me of something. And when I was reading about that, you know, I said, wait a minute. Why is this familiar to me? There is a word called extended tissue tropism. You see, when a virus binds to a cell, right, if it doesn't bind tightly, you can sneeze, you know, a lot of things can happen and the virus can be what expelled. But as far back as 2010, the Popright Institute is a unique institute. They've been studying viruses for a long time. And they, what they do mainly is the study of virus diseases of farm animals and viruses that spread from animals to humans. I said, I'm concerned because Last year, November, December, sorry, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation gave them $5.5 million. I don't know what that was for. They said to study the interaction between animals and humans. But that wasn't the first grant that this Bill and Melinda Gates gave them. These people applied, this Pupright Institute applied for grants and they applied for a patent. And those patents allowed them to create a virus a coronavirus that was more lethal and attached firmer more firmly to the host am i making any sense
0: you're making complete sense
1: they applied and they received the patent they filed for the patent in 2010 and they got it in 2014 and the patent says It's a more virulent version of another coronavirus with the spike protein that's now more toughly adhering to the ACE2 receptor. And they give them the patent for that. And the technical term was extended tissue tropism, meaning it will attach firmly and provide more lasting effects on the host. Now, this N501Y also increases how tightly the spike protein binds to the human ACE2 receptor. If you're not concerned, I am, because it's almost like deja vu. Now, we have an mRNA vaccine that's designed with a few pluses and minuses to handle the regular coronavirus that we know. But out of these 17 mutations, eight of them, believe it or not, 50% of the mutations are for spike proteins. So when a mutation occurs, remember, we don't even know how effective this virus is. Two things we know, I mean, about the vaccine. Two things we already know about this vaccine is that it will not prevent you spreading infection to another person. and The real advantage of vaccines are they should protect you for a long period of time, maybe five, 10 years or so, but the manufacturers admit they have no idea how long this vaccine will protect you. Maybe it will be for two months. Maybe it will be for a month. Maybe it will be for six weeks. Maybe it will be 10 years. They don't know. But there's no guarantee because coronaviruses, the vaccines that have been developed over the years, don't really last that long in terms of how long they can protect a person so we have a vaccine that's expensive that they spend billions of dollars on now that vaccine is now encountering and the vaccine is made to the spike protein don't forget the vaccine is not made against the entire virus now it will have been comforting if the mrna vaccine or rather if the vaccine for coronavirus maybe that's the right word to say was designed for the entire virus you know, so it's what we have right now is almost like, oh, I have a gun is designed to blow up the femoral artery, and once I shoot the femoral artery, the person is going to bleed to death. And then all of a sudden, the person is wearing a bulletproof whatever, so you can't shoot the femoral artery, and then you don't have any um, ammunition to shoot anything else but the femoral artery. You get the idea. So the person is going to survive. So if all we have is a coronal m r n a vaccine that attaches and creates spike proteins. And the immunity that we develop is towards the spike protein. And we now have <laughs> a virus that's mutated where 50% of the mutation is exactly where we've targeted our vaccine. I think we have a problem. How big that problem is, I have no idea, Nick. I mean, Neil, I'm sorry. I
0: have no idea. And the question now is. So what, so, okay. So the questions answered that will be on the podcast next week, I'm sure, because we'll have more information and for people downloading to make sure they subscribe to the podcast, like share, do all the different things because you're bringing information out. The the concern I have, uh, Dr. Caxton, is that if it's, is it going to be as dangerous as the first COVID?
1: Well, guess what? The COVID, don't forget this, the coronavirus itself, the first COVID would have been curtailed if we had followed suit like China and South Korea. The problem we have is with our government officials in the United States. Remember what Fauci said and what he kept saying. And he kept saying it, the denga, on February 17th, he said the danger to the Americans is just, just minuscule. He said it's very minimal. And then on February 20, he says it could be really, really bad. The guy is just talking nonsense. And today he told CNN, let's not overreact. The question is, what is overreacting after so many people have died? Does this guy even have a heart or a conscience? So it's not whether or not this virus is going to be deadlier. We've got things to treat it with to knock it down. We have hydroxychloroquine, early stage. And don't forget it, it's in the U.K., that the recovery study was done where they were given four times the dose, poisonous doses of hydroxychloroquine to patients so that they would die, so they would be able to tell the world hydroxychloroquine doesn't work. So there's some sinister things going on there. It's not as deadly if we act, but if our health officials like Fauci and all the other people, I don't even know what's going on in England, they're acting really fast. And India is closing its borders. What are we doing? So we're not gonna ban any flights from London. We're just going to let everybody fly yeah. in and out of London. Exactly, it's crazy. And, and so it's not so much of whether or not the virus is deadly; it's what can we do. These guys are going to be brought to shame eventually. I praise, I sincerely, because think about: it. we've got about one point three million people dead already, and Fauci is still saying, "Let's not overreact." Now, tell me, isn't that the heart of a callous person? I don't know what That's- is. How can you say that? It's not so much how so, badly... So
0: the jury's still out and how difficult, deadly. how bad the virus is going to be. It's more highly transmissible. So highly the, transmissible, 70% times more, which means... And it's, it's already better. here in the United States, right? And that could be the virus I was infected with, my wife was infected with, and everything that's less that's mean, deadly, but we don't know if that's the case or not.
1: But you know what? Even if it's not as deadly, it's deadly enough. It's deadly enough. I mean... Hospitals filling with 113,000. How
0: can you identify what strain it is through testing? Yes, through genetic testing. Only you genetic, know? not our current coronavirus test. So that's no, the other problem. No, yes, yes. So, we, and
1: then think about the vaccine towards a S S protein, the spike protein, you know, those little things you see on the projections when you see the diagram. That's what we attack. T- we didn't create a vaccine for the entire virus. So that's the real problem. And regardless of this problem with the vaccine, though, we have solutions. We have, again, vivamectin shown to cure and take care of patients who are really sick. I said hydroxychloroquine is weak in the sense that he cannot take care of people who are already hospitalized. But it's superb when you give it early. Now, ivermectin is good both early and in late cases. It's as effective as 48% of patients get a cure, even when in the late stages in the hospital. So the question now, I, Fauci, I expect from Fauci is not to tell us not to overreact, for example, but to tell us, doctors, we got a problem. So I think it's time that we start prescribing ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, just follow the guidelines and practice medicine. You know, for example, hydroxychloroquine, when you give it, make sure that the it's an EKG, if a person's got heart problems, etc., you know, and so we're back to square one. I'm going to give the doses of that drug because somebody here outside the United States may hear this hydroxychloroquine 400 milligrams day one, 400 milligrams in the morning, 400 milligrams in the evening, and then the next day, 400 milligrams once a day for another four days, five days total. Give zinc sulfate 50 milligrams to 100 milligrams. That is 220 milligrams of zinc sulfate, two tablets a day for five days, plus vitamin C, 1,000 milligrams a day or twice a day with food for five days, and thiamine, 200 milligrams a day for five days, and vitamin D, 2,000 to 4,000 international units, five days, once a day for five days. And you can go to ivermectin, 12 milligrams on day one, 12 milligrams on day three. Plus doxycycline, 100 milligrams, twice a day for five days. You can do the ivermectin, 12 milligrams, once a day, two doses. You know, that's what some people have found. And some people are using it twice a day or once a day for five days. The point here is, Nick, in that combination I just gave to people to either use ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, they will not get sick enough to die. They will fight the virus with whatever they have, and even more importantly, they'll knock out this virus and the pandemic.
0: So, last thing if yeah. we test for another mutation, will it still show up positive as COVID 19? If you get the most test? likely, most likely, okay. just most another likely. mutation of the virus, but yet you don't think the vaccine will work with it, but we won't know for a while. We'll no, for
1: I'm- a while. And no one is going to talk about that for a while. They say don't scare people and they need to watch sell their vaccine. You know that, right? They have to sell exactly. because so they want. Most just- of this is, yeah. you know, the guy that did the ivermectin study, um, Dr. Carval- Hector Cavallo, he said the number one and the only thing driving this pandemic is greed, nothing else. So, on that note, I'll tell you.
0: All right, where can we purchase the books and stuff? Best place.
1: Yes, um, amazon.com for the hydroxychloroquine debate. And you'll see the entire setup for this pandemic in terms of being a physician and knowing what to do. Number two, COVID-19 Physician Treatment Strategies is on iTunes. In the second book, The Hydroxychloroquine Debate, that's on Amazon. It's in the Kindle and the paperback edition on amazon.com. Just type in the HCQ debate. The other book, which was written in May, is COVID-19 Physician Treatment Strategies. That one is only available on the iTunes store. And you'll be amazed and blessed getting those books. Your understanding of COVID will will scale to a quantum level. And even more importantly, you'll be able to help patients and family members to survive
0: this pandemic. Well, thanks, Dr. Caxton, for uh, this great podcast and great information. And hopefully, we'll know more next week. Take care. Thank you. All right. That was the, uh, that was again. Dr. Cax's podcast. Take care.